0: You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Happy Monday to you, and thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day. Now, I know at the end of the Sunday podcast, the Victory Sunday podcast, I said our next episode will be heard mentality. Well, I lied. And the reason for me lying is that I just have more to say about the New England Patriots, the Buffalo Bills, the AFC East in general, and I have some thoughts about Brian Dable and Leslie Frazier as head coaching candidates. And I thought this was a great opportunity to kind of dig into that stuff. We can do herd mentality like we typically do on Tuesday, do our comprehensive primer Wednesday, our crossover Thursday, our Friday typical show, and then we don't know who the Bills are playing or when they're playing, but based on the way that this Chiefs and Steelers game is going, and I'm recording this podcast during the third quarter all indications are that the Bills are traveling to Kansas City for the divisional round of the playoffs. And so we'll get to the Chiefs later in the week and all that type of stuff, but I'm not done talking about the Bills, the Patriots, and the AFC East, and so I wanted to fit this in today, and we'll do herd mentality tomorrow and then turn our attention to the Chiefs later in the week. But three segments for you today, a little bit more on this Bills-Patriots thing. Some more on the Patriots in segment two, and then my thoughts on Dable and Frazier and the potential of losing them and their merits as head coaching candidates. So let's start with this Bills Patriots AFC East thing. The tables have turned, folks. The Bills only beat New England four times from 2001 through 2019. The Bills since twenty twenty have won four out of the last five against New England. The exception? The Monday night football wind game. They needed sixty mile an hour wins to stop Josh Allen. The Bills had multiple opportunities to win that football game. The wind is the reason they didn't. But the Bills have really taken care of the New England Patriots since the beginning of 2020. Again, four out of the last five. Not including the win game, the Bills have won 38-9, to 33-21, and 47-17 to in the last three. And I continue to be amazed that the Bills' 47-17 win, the one we just watched on Saturday night, one of the greatest... Offensive performances in the history of the NFL, one of the greatest quarterback performances in the history of the NFL, came while playing Bill Belichick for the third time in seven weeks. Oh, by the way, it was five degrees outside with a wind chill below zero. But Josh Allen hasn't just been dominating the Patriots of late. This is a growing sample size of Josh Allen having his way with Bill Belichick's defense. In Josh Allen's last four games against the New England Patriots, he's completed 67.4% of his passes, 1,087 passing yards, 13 touchdowns, zero interceptions. Bill Belichick has a Josh Allen problem. Josh Allen has figured out Belichick's defense. And we've seen a lot of variety in how Belichick has chosen to defend Josh Allen and it ain't working. And it's not going in the right direction. And to me this really extends beyond just the New England Patriots because Josh Allen's also had his way with the Miami Dolphins. And as we know their former head coach Brian Flores was a Belichick disciple, was with him for like 20 years before taking over In Miami, and we know that Josh Allen toyed with the Miami Dolphins. And so Josh Allen has absolutely figured out how to beat a Bill Belichick style defense. And what's really exciting to me about that is considering something Josh Allen himself said, he said, There's two types of quarterbacks in the NFL those who figure it out and those that get figured out. And the more Belichick and his disciples have in terms of experience going up against Josh Allen, which also means that Josh Allen has more and more experience playing against them. It's favoring Josh Allen. They're not coming close to figuring him out. And while we know Brian Flores is no longer with the Miami Dolphins, the AFC East has a Josh Allen problem. You guys watch the playoff games this weekend, I hope. And whenever I watch playoff football, it becomes very clear to me about what it takes to win in the NFL. And I remember watching the playoffs for years, knowing that the Bills weren't anything like the teams I was watching in the postseason. You're watching the best of the best in high-stakes football games. You can clearly see what matters and what doesn't. And if you're Miami or you're the Jets or you're New England and you watched those playoff games, of course, New England did, you are fully aware of how wide this gap is. I think a lot about Brandon Bean and something he said several times in his year-end press conferences and that when you lose in the postseason, Your biggest issues as a football team are on full display. The thing that is your biggest problem is usually a big reason why you lost in the postseason. And I believe it's true. Go back to that Houston Texans playoff loss in 2019. The Bills couldn't score enough points. And that was a problem all year long. They were. One of the worst scoring offenses in the playoffs. And they had every opportunity to score a lot more points against Houston and couldn't do it, and they lost. You go back to the Kansas City game. Last year, the AFC Championship game. Couldn't affect Patrick Mahomes enough with the pass rush, and you couldn't run the ball. And so, with that in mind, if you believe it to be true that your last game, if you lose in the postseason, Highlights your biggest issues as a football team. How are you feeling if you're New England today? How are you feeling looking back on that game and realizing that Josh Allen and this football team is in your division? They're not going anywhere. You're measured against them and how wide that gap is and how much work you need to do to narrow that gap and have a chance to dethrone the bills. You're probably not feeling too good. It's the new year. So that means new year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit and eating healthier, make sure that built bar is part of your plan. Built bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. And it makes it easier for you to stick to your new year's resolutions because when you're Eating healthy, you're wondering where the chocolate is, it gets boring. Well, good news! Built bars are covered in 100% chocolate and they're super healthy. Most built bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. These things are delicious and they have a ton of great flavors. You can choose from coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many more. In fact, Built is always coming out with new limited time flavors. So check out built.com often to see what's new. I got a deal for you. Go to built.com, use promo code locked15 and get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code locked15 for 15% off at built.com. So we just spent about 10 minutes talking about Josh Allen and how he is a problem for Bill Belichick in the AFC East. He is the boogeyman for Bill Belichick. And you know me, I'm not this type of Bills fan that is an elitist by any stretch of the imagination. I have a healthy amount of respect for every team in the NFL. I think we have very level-headed conversations about all of the Bills opponents and the challenges that they present. And I think that any team can beat any team on any given day. I fully believe that. And so I hope that I don't come across as having an elitist mentality, but the reality is the Bills standing within this division is very, very good. You have to feel really good about where you're at if you're Buffalo. 12-1 since the start of 2020 against the AFC East, and the Patriots are supposed to be the second-best team. You just beat them by 30, and it wasn't even that close of a game. You got the ball seven times. You scored seven touchdowns. And so from the Bills' perspective, you are absolutely the hunted. You have that target on your back. Everyone now is going to be spending their time trying to figure out how they can compete with you. We know all about this from that side of things. For two decades, we, as Bills fans, had to watch the New England Patriots run this division and figure out What the heck they can do to have a chance? It wasn't that long ago. But now the tables have absolutely turned. And so as we think about New England as the team that is closest, if you will, to competing with the Bills, I want to share some thoughts about what I think this Patriots team is. And obviously I know them quite well. Three times in seven weeks, a division rival. I'm very in tune with the New England Patriots. And I have some thoughts. First of all, I think there is a glass ceiling on what this New England team is as currently constructed. I'll get into that a little bit more as we talk through this team. But maybe even more important than that, I don't think the Patriot way works without Tom Brady. Bill Belichick has not been an effective general manager. Look at this guy's drafting history. Look at how he's worked these off-seasons of late. He's not been an effective general manager. And his coaching resume has little to show for his time without Brady as his quarterback. So what do they have? Well, they've got a couple of good tight ends in Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. Some physical running backs. Certainly an even better running back situation when James White is available. They've got a big physical offensive line. That's one of the better units in the NFL. They have a very limited young quarterback in Mac Jones, who certainly kept his head above water this season, but without dynamic physical skill in terms of arm talent and mobility, what's his ceiling? What's he capable of achieving? You're always going to have to make sure that your remainder of team is at a high level so you can have a chance to win. What's his path to get better? Reps? Time on task? Being able to read defenses at a Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady level? Is that what it's going to take? Because he doesn't have the arm talent or mobility. I think that he's a limited player, and he's always going to limit this offense. They have below-average receivers. Defensively, they have no difference-makers in the front seven that can dictate the action. I like what they have in Christian Barmore. I will say that. But he's one piece. Matt Judon is aging and did not show up against the Bills in any game this year. Slow linebackers that are aging. They need a major upgrade at slot corner. They don't necessarily have the complement of safeties that they typically like to use. McCordy's aging. I think Adrian Phillips is a nice player, but they need more than Kyle Duggar and Adrian Phillips. They like to play three. I think McCordy's kind of winding down here, and they have a couple of nice corners on the outside in Jalen Mills and J.C. Jackson. So as you consider what this football team is and the gap between them and the Bills, they need a lot of work. And I'm not sure they have a ton of resources to really invest in In their roster, $21.5 million in cap space. They have a first, second, third, fourth, and sixth round pick. Five draft picks. That's it. That's what they're looking at to improve their team. I think they need a lot. And I think I'm being quite fair and honest and objective about what I think this team is. Perhaps you can say, oh, this is a Bills guy and he's biased towards this football team, but objectively, I think everything I just said is true. I think this is a type of team that can win nine or ten games a year, but there's a glass ceiling on what they can really achieve in terms of winning playoff games. Oh, by the way, they've got a ton of free agents. J.C. Jackson, free agent. Trent Brown, their starting right tackle, free agent. Deonta Hightower, their starting Mike Linebacker, free agent. Ted Karras, their starting left guard. Free agent. Jacoby Myers, one of their key receivers, free agent. Juwan Bentley, their other starting linebacker next to Hightower, free agent. James White, free agent. Brandon Bolden, free agent. Matthew Slater, free agent. Jamie Collins, starter, free agent. Gunnar Osluski, he's a restricted free agent. But this team has a lot of critical expiring contracts, limited cap space, limited draft picks, and a wide gap to close between them and the Buffalo Bills. Now, I'm not saying that the Bills are just a shoe in to run the AFC East year over year, but you have to like what they have compared to the rest of this division. Now, the Miami Dolphins, I think, are actually the number two team in this division in my mind. They beat New England twice last year. Now, they're certainly resetting at coach, and I don't like their quarterback but they have more collective young talent that I'd like on that team and Jalen Waddell and Jalen Phillips and Javon Holland. Two outstanding corners. Christian Wilkins is a stud. Emmanuel Agba, Mike Gusecki, Robert Hunt. There's a lot more to like about that football team in my mind. Oh, by the way, they have the most cap space in the NFL. A full complement of draft picks this year and two first-round picks in 2023. I think Miami's the bigger threat to Buffalo over the next three to five years. And then the Jets, they've got a lot of work to do to get out of the cellar here. They've struggled for a while now. They need so much. And obviously they have a lot of young talent, young quarterback that was just a number two pick in the draft and Zach Wilson, new head coach, couple of first-round picks this year, plenty of cap space. They're going to have the resources necessary to improve, but they're four years behind the Bills. And that's assuming Zach Wilson's the guy all that to say that the Bills are in really good shape in this division and uh, the tables have turned. The Bills are now this team at the top of the division that everyone is staring up at, scratching and clawing trying to figure out how the heck are we going to compete with these guys? And so now the challenge for Buffalo is staying there and continuing to evolve and build your football operation and withstand losses to your front office and coaching staff and not necessarily being able to continue giving everyone a contract extension. They have new challenges, good challenges, the ones you want to have, but they are challenges. And things change fast in the NFL, really fast. If you think you've arrived, you can quickly be humbled. Now, you certainly love that you have Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott in charge of this operation, but their challenges are now very different than they were building this thing. Now it's about keeping this team at the top and keeping this window to compete open for as long as possible. Now, good news, you got that 17 guy, and he's going to give you a chance each and every year. BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march through the playoffs. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the sports wagering action for 2022. It's a new year, and they have a newly updated website. So, sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, and Bet Online is where the game starts. Feels like we've talked for years now about the potential of losing Leslie Frazier and or Brian Dable. And I'm sure you guys were on Twitter during that football game on Saturday, and everyone's talking about how Dable and Frazier have these interviews coming up, and all they have to do is show a highlight reel of a forty-seven to seventeen win over the New England Patriots and all the offensive success that they had and all the defensive success that Frazier And the Bills have had this year, and they have a heck of a case to stand on, right? I mean, just really outstanding stuff from both of these guys. So I want to kind of talk about Dable and Frazier, and things I like about them as head coaching candidates, and things I don't like about them as head coaching candidates. And then we'll kind of get into some of my thoughts for replacing them if either or both of them leave. So let's start with Brian Dable. And I know this is a little bit like what we do for a game reaction, but it just kind of works. It helps me really summarize my thoughts. So the things that I like about Brian Dable, number one is scheme evolution and adaptability. When he took over this offense in 2018, obviously that unit was undermanned from a personnel perspective. Didn't have the receivers, didn't have the offensive line, and you had an extremely raw quarterback out of Wyoming. In Josh Allen. What I appreciated even then about Brian Dable is he continued to try different things week after week to generate offense. It was never, this is the scheme, this is what we're going to do, that's it. It was all about how can we try different personnel groupings and formations and concepts to see if we can get the ball moving and scoring some points. And then you saw drastic shifts in terms of cutting Andre Holmes and Jeremy Curley and Kelvin Benjamin and inserting Wyatt Teller into the lineup and trying different things with the offensive line. Robert Foster elevated from the practice squad, bringing in Isaiah McKenzie. Those types of things in 2018 to continue scratching and clawing and trying to figure it out as opposed to just being married to the way that you want to do things. And I thought that continued and has continued every year. And so the thing that I like first and foremost about Brian Dable is the skiing evolution and adaptability that he has proven at a high level since 2018. I like his experience in Buffalo, New England, and Alabama. I mean, three great exposures for an assistant coach. He had a front row seat to what happened in New England you got a front row seat to what's happened in Buffalo. And you got a chance to be around Nick Saban at Alabama. And because of that, he's going to have a deep inventory of relationships and assistant coaches that he can tap into to come and be part of his staff. Sometimes that's an issue for guys. Think about Brian Flores coming from New England, only working with New England coaches. He goes to Miami and he has to hire a staff and he failed at that. He failed miserably at that. I mean, Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator, after one season, leaves for the same position with the Giants. He has three offensive coordinators in three years, three offensive line coaches in three years. Just continued turning things over because he didn't have those deep-rooted relationships because he was only in one place. That's not true for Brian Dable. He's going to have a lot of good exposures to people that can fill out his staff, and so I like that about him. I also like what we hear about his relationship with his players. That'll serve him well as a head coach. And I also really appreciate this about Brian Dable is that he hasn't just jumped at every opportunity. He's been very particular about where he's going to go. And so there's some people out there that look at NFL head coaching opportunities as there's only 32 of these gigs. When your chance comes and you're offered a job, you have to take it. Well, I appreciate Brian Dable's mindfulness of organization fit and how you're going to be supported from ownership and how you're going to mesh with all of the dynamics of that city and football operation. And I think Brian Dable gets that. So, those are the things that I really like about Dable as a head coaching candidate. Now, things I don't like first of all, you have to acknowledge that Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs don't go with him. And we've seen. This happened time and time and time and time again in the NFL where a coordinator gets pulled away from a situation where there's an elite part, right? Josh Allen, your elite part, and now you're inserted into some other organization with different players and expected to replicate what you achieve somewhere else. Josh Allen's not going with Ryan Dable. and. For example, guys like Adam Gase, guys like Matt Nagy, guys like Joe Philbin, failed head coaches get pulled away from situations where they have Aaron Rodgers or Peyton Manning or Patrick Mahomes, and they're expected to replicate that somewhere else, but everyone forgets that they don't bring Peyton Manning and Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers with them. Same thing here. And so you have to understand that Josh Allen and the situation in Buffalo was a major benefit to Brian Dable and his success as a coordinator and the reason why he's getting these opportunities to interview for head coaching vacancies. So I say all that to say that it has to be more than just scheme. You know, these guys, these, these coordinators or position coaches that get opportunities to interview, the reason that they get to that interview is because of what they accomplished with whatever they were responsible for. Oh, the Bills offense is really good. Let's interview their coordinator to be our head coach. Okay, that's good. But it's a lot different being a head coach than it is a coordinator. There's a leadership component that is more important than scheme. It transcends the X's and O's. Your ability to lead men, to establish culture, to be consistent, It's not just about your ability to call plays and scheme. It's far more important about your leadership ability. You're basically an administrator for an NFL team. That's not being an offensive coordinator. It's completely different. And so I'm not saying Brian Dable can't do that, and he's not a great leader. I just don't know. I have no idea. He's never been a head coach. How am I supposed to know what he's capable of from a leadership perspective? And so the point that I'm trying to drive home here is, yeah, great job with the Bills offense, but just because you could generate good offense in Buffalo with Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs doesn't mean that you're going to be a great head coach somewhere else. And you could copy-paste that talking point for any of these coordinators that are being considered for head coaching jobs. But where I get especially concerned is when you had an elite piece like a Josh Allen or Peyton Manning or an Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes or even Josh McDaniels when he had Tom Brady and he goes to be the head coach in Denver and they're not as good, don't forget that you don't take that elite piece with you and it's about leadership. And the next thing that I'll say about Dable is that his resume as an offensive coordinator, which again, we're getting away from the leadership part, which I think is most important. But his offensive coordinator resume, his results as an offensive coordinator, not really that good without Josh Allen in terms of when Josh Allen got good. Pretty underwhelming in terms of his results. Now, I know that he didn't necessarily have great players around him, but that's what I'm talking about, right? That's exactly what I'm trying to say. The thing about Brian Dable, this is the last thing I'll say about Brian Dable. I like him more for the Chicago Bears than I do the Miami Dolphins. Why? Because the quarterback. They have Justin Fields, who has great size, athleticism, arm talent, and I feel a lot better about his ability to replicate the things he did in Buffalo with Justin Fields than I do with Tua. Even though Brian Dable coached Tua at Alabama. I liked Dable for the Chargers gig last year because of Justin Herbert. So I like Dable more for some jobs than I do others. But there's also things that I don't know about Brian Dable as a leader to give me the information necessary to say, yeah, this is a guy I would hire to be the head coach of my football team. Now I have a lot less to say about Leslie Frazier, but we'll do things I like and don't like about him as a candidate. What I like is that he's a steady hand. If I'm a team like the Jacksonville Jaguars that just went through the clown show that is Urban Meyer, sign me up for Leslie Frazier, a stabilizing hand, a respected leader in the NFL, a highly respected just figure in the NFL to come in and stabilize my operation. I think that makes him appealing for some gigs. I also like that he has head coaching experience. That's something I don't think that gets valued enough anymore. Everyone wants the next hotshot coordinator to come in and take over their football team, but sometimes there's a lot to be said for somebody who had an opportunity to be a head coach, had some success, failed, and they learn a lot through that. I mean, that's just true in life, right? We learn through experiences. And so we're often too dismissive of... Hiring a guy with head coaching experience because they failed somewhere else. Well, maybe that should be used as a positive in that, yeah, they failed somewhere else and they were fired, but they learned a lot through that. And that's going to equip them better to take over my football team as opposed to hiring somebody that's got to learn on the job. Now, there's success stories in every direction. There's no five-step process that if you do these five things and you meet these criteria, you're going to be a very successful head coach in terms of the background and how guys get to those jobs and who succeeds and who doesn't. But I do think we can be too dismissive of retread head coaching candidates. So that's part of what I like about Leslie Frazier is that he does have NFL head coaching experience. He had some success, didn't have sustained success, and I'm thinking that he's going to be a lot better for what he went through in Minnesota and what he's learned since. And I also think that he's earned it. He's got the resume. What he's been able to do defensively in Buffalo, combined with his leadership qualifications, he's earned an opportunity. I think the only thing I don't like about Leslie Frazier is his age, 62 years old. And look, I know it's somewhat narrow-minded to think that if you hire a head coach that you're going to keep him for 10 or 15 or 20 years, that's pretty rare. But I'd want that, and given Leslie Frazier's age, I don't know what his appetite is going to be for coaching that long, and that's somewhat of a concern for me. Now, I think it would be a great opportunity to pair him with somebody that could succeed him. Like, look at Tampa Bay. Bruce Arians, everybody knows he's not a long-term guy there. Came out of retirement to take the job. But Byron which is there, and he'll probably one day succeed Bruce Arians as the head coach there. And I think you can see something like that happening with a Leslie Frazier. Pair him with some hot shot, young offensive mind to be the offensive coordinator. Have Leslie Frazier get everything steady. One day he retires, that guy takes over as head coach if everyone can remain patient enough. So assuming the Bills lose either of these coordinators, I've already said this, but The guys that I want to replace them are already on staff. If Leslie Frazier goes, I'd like to see the defensive backs coach, John Butler, get that opportunity to run the defense. His resume is off the charts. What he's been able to do with the Bills' defensive backs had a great run with Houston, and I think he's kind of earned that. Now, I don't, again, I don't know really anything about him in terms of his personality, if he can call a defense, if he's really cut out for it, but. Based on what he's been able to accomplish, he seems like a very logical choice, and I love that he's already been there. He knows McDermott. He knows the assistants. He knows the personnel. There's already established relationships and that you can overcome that loss potentially better because you're hiring somebody or promoting someone in-house. For offense, if, if Dable goes, I'd love to see Ken Dorsey get the opportunity to be the offensive coordinator. Same stuff I just said about John Butler. But here's the reality. The Bills might lose these guys anyways. So there's a chance somebody out there hires Ken Dorsey to be their OC or John Butler to be their DC. And so if you lose either Frazier or Dable, potentially your only way to keep them is to make them your coordinator. Because what's to stop? Brian Dable from taking a head coaching job and bringing John Butler with him? Or Leslie Frazier from becoming a head coach somewhere and taking Ken Dorsey with him? What about anybody that's getting a head coaching job wanting to bring those guys with him? So that's what really inspires me to want them to be the replacements. I lean towards in-house. I will say that I'm not completely against outside hires, but I value those established relationships. For, let's just make it very practical. Let's say Brian Dable becomes the head coach of whatever team. Ken Dorsey's promoted to offensive coordinator. Josh Allen has to spend zero time getting to know a new human being that's going to call plays and be in his ear and advance the offense forward. He already has a relationship with Ken Dorsey. They know each other. They've spent years together. They know the concepts they like. They can just kind of pick up the ball and run with it, I think at least. And then insert the exact same analysis for John Butler and apply it to Tremaine Edmonds, Matt Milano, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it wasn't herd mentality, but I just felt like I had a lot to say about the Bills. They're standing in the division, the problems that Josh Allen and this football team present to the rest of the division, and then the idea that the Bills could lose. Dayball, and or Frazier, and my thoughts on them as candidates as well as the ideas I had for replacing them. Tomorrow, it'll be heard mentality, so don't miss it. Make sure you're subscribed. Would love it if you took a second to rate, review, and share the podcast. Enjoy the rest of your Monday, and I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.